Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fixer Podcast. I am your host, Mitch Howell. And like I told you in our last mini episode, we're going to switch gears a little bit with the podcast. We are going to be more Joint Commission focused, getting ready for that next inspection, which is always on the horizon. It's my goal with these episodes to make the Joint Commission requirements interesting. The last thing I want is for you to be rocking back in your chair, eyes roll in the back of your head going, boring. And let's be honest, code books can be boring, but I'll tell you what, I will read the code books. I will get out the bullet points that we need to make it interesting for you to take these Joint Commission requirements and take them into your facility and really make it your own. All right, in the Joint Commission requirements, section LS.02.01.20, it states, the organization maintains the integrity of means of egress. Means of egress? What the heck? Means of egress, that is how you're getting out of a building, egressing out of a building. And what's the opposite of egress? Ingress. A little tidbit for you, a little tidbit of trivia. Egress, ingress, those are your two opposites. Whether you're going out or coming in a building. Section LS020120 is split into two areas, two EPs or elements of performance. Number one is doors unlocked in the direction of egress. And number 14 has to do with corridor clutter. So the Joint Commission uses the Life Safety Code NFPA 101-2012. And in that Life Safety Code, it states that Egress is, quote, a continuous and unobstructed way to travel from any point in a building or structure to the public way consisting of three separate and distinct parts. Number one, the exit access. Number two, the exit. And number three, the exit discharge, end quote. So what does this mean? EP14 concentrates on two parts of that. Access to the exit or the corridor and exiting or door locking. So what does it matter if corridors are clear or not? I mean, obviously you can just weave your way through. Uh, you got a flat cart here full of uh, pharmacy stuff. You've got uh, a linen cart that's piled sky high with uh, dirty linen bags. Uh, right. Well, it's fine if you're not carrying anything or wheeling a patient through there or in the event of a fire where the lights are out or the corridor is full of smoke or the fire sprinklers are going off. Sure, that's, I guess, easy to weave your way through. But wouldn't it be so much easier if the corridor was clear and you just have that free free path to uh, work your way through? I wanted to mention, too, when it comes to facilities, equipment, ladders, tool carts, uh, utility carts, things like that, uh, move them out of the way and uh, don't leave them in a corridor, uh, if at all possible, unless you're working on on a ladder, obviously. But um, if you need to come off the ladder, go grab a part uh, from the shop or somewhere else, um, put the ceiling tile back in place, move your ladder off uh, out of the corridor, um, because if uh, leadership comes by or something and goes, what the heck, what's this ladder doing here? There's nobody around. You might've just run, uh, been running for a part or a piece, uh, been gone for two minutes, but nevertheless, that's still a random ladder in the middle of the corridor there. So typically anything that's on wheels is considered temporary in a space. So beds or uh, mobile linen carts, things like that. But it's always a good idea to have those stored out of the way. And interestingly, the code uh, does state that crash carts uh, can be parked in a means of egress or an egress path. Um, And also, I think this is a common uh, misconception that crash carts have to be plugged into emergency power or red power. But there is no requirement that states that they have to. Although this is best practice, obviously, you want your crash carts to be fully charged and operational uh, when they're needed, but there isn't a requirement for those to be plugged into red power. 
So what's considered temporary storage? Uh, 30 minutes, 30 minutes or less. And so I know we have all seen areas where they've become uh, kind of de facto storage areas with um, vital sign machines or uh, carts or things like that, beds even. Um, but really a temporary storage is 30 minutes or less. In researching this episode, I came across an article that talked about a hospital who identified that their corridors were cluttered and leadership insisted that the corridors be free of obstructions. And of course, they received significant pushback from staff that items needed to be closer, there was no storage, uh, all these different excuses, but leadership persisted. Not two months later, this very hospital was hit with an E5 tornado and they had to evacuate. And this, uh, the staff of this hospital evacuated more than 180 patients, plus uh, obviously staff and visitors, um, from the nine-story building in less than 90 minutes. Um, this was all in the dark without electricity. And so um, during the after-action report and debrief, they stated that they were so glad that that initiative was put in place place to open the corridors because if they didn't do that, it would have been significantly impacted and it would have taken much longer for uh, being able to get the uh, patients out. And so um, that shows you that you always prepare for the worst because who knows what's going to happen. So think of it this way. You don't have to be hit with an E5 tornado to be affected by uh, corridor clutter. So the Joint Commission identifies four different things um, that are related to corridor clutter. Number one is spills. So a um, worker is carrying their coffee, uh, carrying a bottle of disinfectant, a mop bucket. Um, these things can be spilled when bumped into when something in the corridor. Number two, uh, struck by or struck against injuries. So um, somebody is uh, moving fast, obviously healthcare moves moves very fast. And so when they're walking down the hallway, come around a corner, bump into a cart, uh, especially those low flatbed carts, boy, those kill when you hit your shin against those, that steel doesn't give too much. Number three, sprains or strain injuries. So turn your ankle, uh, twist your knee, something like that. Again, by something that's in the corridor, you're not expecting it to be there. And number four, slips, trips, and falls. So easy to trip over, especially again, those low, um, those low carts that uh, can be in the way. So, um, and those can cause significant injuries. You, you know, we talk about patient falls all the time, but staff falls, staff slips, strips, and falls uh, are a major contributor to staff injury and work time loss. All right, let's switch gears. That's enough talking about corridors and clutter. Let's talk about doors. One of those nevers that we've adopted in our facilities is door stops. You should never have a door stop. Uh, or see a door that's being propped open with a door stop. Uh, if you do see one, that should be an automatic red flag, and you are under uh, complete authorization to take that door stop with you and uh, throw it away. Both fire and smoke doors must be hinged, and they must have a way of being self-closing or have a self-closing device on them. Now, when we talk about fire rating, um, a 90-minute door, uh, that's uh, 90 minutes for fire to go from one side of the door to the other. That's why the latching is so important. And uh, if a door is not latched, then it is uh, it can go around uh, the door, the opening that's created by the unlatched. Now, smoke compartment doors do not need to latch. They uh, just impede the transfer of smoke between the two compartments. So let's talk deadbolts on egress doors. Are deadbolts allowed on egress doors? 
No, they are not allowed because that uh, then impedes that door from coming open or being pushed open if someone is egressing from a compartment. And uh, with a deadbolt in place, obviously they can't push through the door even with panic hardware without that additional thumb turn or key or whatever it is. So for that reason, deadbolts are not allowed on egress doors. A quick note on delayed egress doors. Uh, we have many of those in our facilities, uh, but you'll notice there's only one of those, or there can be only one of those in a egress path. There can't be multiples. And those are easy to see because there's a large decal on there that on the doors that say, push it till alarm sounds. Door can be opened in 15 seconds or 30 seconds. And so that's an easy way to see delayed egress. You'll see a lot of those on um, stairwell access doors where uh, access uh, is limited only in an emergency. Um, so that door cannot be locked because uh, it is a path of egress, but it can be delayed egress where an alarm would sound. So that gives you a few tidbits having to do with LS020120 EP1 and EP14, having to do with corridor clutter, means of egress, doors, locking hardware, uh, a few things there. So hopefully you learned something. And if you didn't learn something new, hopefully it was a little refresher for you. So thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll look forward to our next episode. Talk to you soon.